0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This episode of BuzzBeat was recorded within the Locker Room app post-game after the Lakers game. We had conversations on the game, on Jalen McDaniels, on the injuries piling up across the league, as well as the play-in tournament. All that up next. Blue wire.
0: With the third pick in the 2020 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ
1: All right, everyone. Welcome into a post-game edition of BuzzBeat here on the Locker Room app. We're trying this for the first time on the Locker Room app. So if you've not heard of that before, uh, it allows you guys to join in on the conversation. And if you guys would like to speak, uh, we will allow you to uh, whenever we do one of these post-games. Charlotte just lost one hundred one ninety three to the Lakers. The Hornets were on a 4-2 and two road trip, uh, and they've lost back-to-back games at home against Atlanta and now against the Lakers. Uh, a lot of injuries in this game, guys, with LeBron being out, Anthony Davis being out since the middle of February for Charlotte. We've got P.J. Washington recently been out, Rozier, Ball, Hayward, Monk. Uh, this injury thing just seems like it's a league-wide problem and has been an issue all season uh for all of these players. Do you guys think it has anything to do with the sped up nature of this season? Or, you know, is it just a collection of, of freak injuries here?
2: Uh yeah, I mean I I, I think it's probably more the prior, uh, Rishi. Obviously there have been freak injuries. I mean Jamal Murray being the most recent example, which is obviously a huge bummer for anybody that's an NBA fan, but um yeah, I mean, you know, now you've bowled it down to Charlotte, <laughs> even looking like they're resting their players, right? Uh, and, and trying to kind of save up now that it looks like they're at least going to have some sort, you know, some fashion of postseason appearance. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it's hard to turn your head to the fact that these teams we're forced back into action quicker, and now we're kind of seeing uh, the manifestation of them saying, "Okay, our players are wearing down, and we have some form of postseason aspiration or uh, aspiration here." So it's time for us to start resting. I mean, I, I think it's hard not to say that at this point with what you've seen. Yeah, and I
3: think that, like, to just piggyback off that. It's tough because, you know, whether or not the sort of like can can condensed and and really like uh, compressed schedule is resulting in these injuries or not. I mean, it seems likely as a non-medical expert, but it gets even worse because like there's just no break like that. You're playing four games every week. You know what I mean? And so when you have a couple of guys out at the same time, man, it's just like there's nowhere to hide uh you know you just like there's nowhere to go you've got there's no place for you to take a break like you just there, there also breaks in the rear of your mirror and you just have to keep going ahead and playing all of these games without your main guys and so it's it, yeah it's just i don't know it's tough it's it's like frustrating i know a lot of teams are going through it i don't think it's a surprise that like if you look up and see the two best records in the league in the western conference utah and phoenix like those are the two teams that have, you know, knock on wood, have, have had probably the best luck with injuries so far this season. Um, and, and so it's probably one of the reasons why they are also have done so well as regular season uh, winning machines this year. So uh, frustrating and certainly for Charlotte just to have so many playmakers out at the same time. It's just like, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. And there's not a lot of room for error
1: on this roster. Uh, when you start missing some of your key players, you're having to deal with the Martin twins. You're having to deal with Biombo, You're having to deal with Nate Darling, uh, who got in in the fourth quarter of this game. But, uh, it seems like for the most part, I kind of would agree with Spencer there. And just in terms of just the rush schedule that they've had here. And you just see some of these star players like Curry and, and Embiid and Durant going down for, quote unquote extended period of time. SGA has been out for a while and he'll be out for the rest of the season. So I know this app allows for those uh, of you guys in this room to comment, ask questions. I want to give a shout out to uh, Nick, who's in the room right now. So if you ever would like to speak and uh, speak up, we would definitely love for you to to hear from you guys. So uh, that's great. First off, can you guys tell me why this game started at eight and not seven? Like,
3: I, I thought this was like a nationally televised game when I saw when I saw it was eight o'clock game. Uh, I, is that like a LeBron thing? I I, I genuinely I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you would like eight o'clock on a Tuesday night is usually like a like a nationally televised thing, right? You know, at least that's, right. that's the usual time slot. So Maybe it's just a um,
1: Lakers
2: thing. Maybe it's just like, hey, it's the Lakers, so it's yeah. West Coast. <laughs> yeah. There's no, like, we got to give them time to get to the bar and have happy hour first before they have to start watching the game. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, yeah. Lakers like, Lakers forever. Hey, did Nicholas ask, ask to speak, by the way? Let's yeah, let yeah. him get in here.
3: Yeah, all right, hold on. Give me give me one sec. Nick, we're taking our maiden voyage here, but uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Nick, yeah. welcome into the All chat, right.
3: man. Hey
4: man, Horn- Hornets Beard Guy here on Twitter. That's on Twitter at Hornets Beard Guy on Instagram at Hornets Beard Guy. Um, so I got into the locker room, kind of, um, kind of late. Uh, Brian, you were talking about, you know, how we're missing sixty-one percent of our offense right now, um, and we're just due to the compressed season. You know, this late in the season, especially, we're we're plagued with injuries. So I just kind of want to get your your all thoughts on this uh, the play in tournament. Uh, I know uh, Mark Cuban has been outspoken about it. Uh, so I just want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on uh, the play in tournament uh, coming up in May.
1: I mean, just in terms Season's of that. already
4: like shortened, and then you know you can you throw in the, the play in tournament for these guys that are maybe a seven seed gotcha. or eight seed gotcha. to play in. I mean, what what do you think that that adds, uh, uh, so to speak, insult to injury? Uh, what do you guys think about yeah. that? I, I guess they probably weren't
1: thinking about maybe extending the season and, and seeing how that compiles with the injuries that have been going on. It's probably was they probably didn't even cross their mind. Uh, they probably thought it worked so well the first go around, it created some excitement, created some buzz uh, for that play in tournament down in Orlando the first go around and they just thought it would be a good idea again. So yeah, I haven't really thought too much about it. Uh, and now that the Hornets are kind of dropping in the Eastern Conference, they're they're gonna be Looking like they're going to be in the play-in tournament, so for Hornets fans, it, it might be great to see them uh, get in. But you know, I don't really have any strong thoughts one way or the other, Nicholas. Yeah,
3: I I think um like strictly from like an, in like in a vacuum, from an entertainment standpoint, it's great. It's why you know it's why we like the one game play-in uh, that was sort of like a, a I don't know like an in-between setting uh, between what we have now. Um, and why people liked it last season, and why the play-in tournament was passed unanimously ahead of this season, was because it seems like a good idea. It's like a good idea to get some more TV, nationally televised games, get more teams either into the playoffs or you know a pseudo playoff scenario. But um, I mean, clearly, like they the, the league on everyone involved in it threw a lot of caution to the wind when putting this season together, like you know, COVID injuries playing this many games and the back half of the schedule is just a mess. And, and I mean, I think it's certainly played a role in in some of the health concerns. And so, yeah, now adding a couple more games at the end of the season, you know, it's, it's tough to, I think I do think it can be tough. Like they're already playing, you know, like a thousand NBA games this year in totality. (laughs) So adding just a couple more, it's like this, this, how much worse does it make it? Like, uh, you know, who's to say, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's, I'll be to say this, it's not going to be a good look if, you know, a marquee, you know, if, if a marquee star gets hurt or can't play in one of these games or two of these games or whatever. So we'll, I, there's a chance it could be a lot of fun to watch and, and rather entertaining, but I think it has the chance to be, I don't, I don't know. It could be, it could be like a bad PR, P, bad PR look, I think, uh, at the end
2: of the season too, potentially. I think it's, I mean, you know, this isn't unique to uh, the NBA. You know, you've seen Major League Baseball, you know, do this, and they did this, I guess, a few years ago now, extending their playoffs. We've seen the NFL now going to 17 games. Like, at the end of the day, it's all money grab. Like, I think that that, that probably we can all agree on. But I think, to Brian's point, it was a success in the bubble, or, or to Richie's point maybe. I can't remember who brought it up. You know, I, I think specifically with that Memphis Portland game, like that was a, that was a super exciting game. And I think that the NBA yeah. collective audience, like really, really enjoyed that. So I think the Adam Silver and the collective brain trust kind of said, okay, this seems like a good idea. And we, we've got some momentum right now. Um, you know, I think it's a good question though, Nick, specifically from. A Hornets perspective, though, because I do think this can be a real positive for smaller markets like Charlotte. Specifically for Charlotte, because we have a player like Lamelo Ball who generates a lot of excitement. So even if the Hornets, let's just, you know, throw out a... You know, just throw out an example, you know, a theoretical example right now, they slip all the way to 10. I don't really think it matters where the Hornets end up. If they get some kind of postseason national airtime, I think that's a really good thing for this market and this franchise. And so when you just like narrow it down to that sort of focus, you know, just just really put a microscope on it. I think it's good for the Hornets, regardless of what happens.
4: Yeah. and, And that's kind of the other side of that coin. I mean, you know, we haven't really seen Lamella Ball. Uh, you know, he's been out due to that wrist injury. So, if we were to get that seven or eight seed and, and play, you know, that playing tournament, I mean, he could really, he could really like show out. You know, so I mean, it's 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 either way, it's like a, it's a complete toss up. Um, you know, I just thank your guys for your thoughts on that. I just wanted to see uh, where you all were at in that playing.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I I do hope like we'll see. I mean, how the season finishes out and. When Melo gets reevaluated. Uh let's make sure to I mean, I, I think the franchise is gonna play it carefully, but like let's make sure to only bring Lamelo back if he's one hundred percent. I mean, anything short of that, I, I do think you, you shut point. it down. Like it's just such a no brainer. You know, I, like, I I I think this is Charlotte has proven itself to be a playoff team I would really hate if these the, the timing of these injuries really knock them out of not not just to the play in scenario, but really cause them to not get ultimately one of the eight. Eastern Conference playoff seeds, but like Charlotte making the play in tournament, playing a game or two there, and then, um, you know, if they don't make the playoffs and they just get another lot, like a, a late lottery pick, like that's not even the worst thing in the world. So mm-hmm. um, they're kind of set up, I think, to, and this is sort of one of the reasons why I wasn't too bummed about them not going sort of like all in whole hog at the the deadline uh and moving a bunch of assets and to to get you know some sort of upgrade at center or whatever so um i think charlotte is like decently well positioned regardless but yeah it would be like a little bit of a bummer because just a week ago this team was in you know fourth place in these you know two days ago they're in, in fourth place in the eastern conference knowing that it's bunched up and they were likely to backslide anyway
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Boys?
2: I, I do want to, I think Brian's, ma- you know, making a point here is like Charlotte's not in the worst position ever with like kind of seesawing either direction here, which I think is, is the right point, and and I know in years past. Certainly, if you've listened to this podcast, you you know that we've we've said plenty. You know, it's not the worst thing if Charlotte drops into like a, the bottom five or bottom ten of the league and gets a good lottery pick. I actually don't think I feel quite as much that way this year, uh, and most of that has to do with Miles Bridges and Malik Monk. You, you know, the way Monk was playing, you know, before the injury. I was really thinking, okay, wow, he's he's legitimately a restricted free agent this summer. It's actually here. We got to make a decision. Miles Bridges has obviously had uh, a much improved season. We've finally seen that step forward in a lot of different ways that we've talked about for years. And I think PJ Washington's the other one. I mean, I know it's only his second year here, but you know, there's there three guys right there that I think most Hornets fans would consider a, a, um, future core members of this franchise. And I do think that whether it be seven, eight, nine or 10, you know, make fun of those playing games all you want, but, but those are meaningful games the way that regular season games are not meaningful. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I do think it, you know, I know that the national media, the larger audience likes to make fun of that kind of stuff. I do think it matters for the development and the psyche of those kind of guys. And I think if you're a Hornets fan, in my opinion, I, I, again, I don't think it matters what seed you are. I think though that experience really does matter for the future future of this franchise. Specifically, if Lamelo is there as well, but I agree with Brian. He's not one hundred percent. You don't bring him back.
3: Yeah, and and look, they could still get two of those. You know, they could get a game or two of play, even if they didn't. You know, make ultimately make the playoffs. They could still get a game or two on uh, the play in, and like there's value to that. And for whatever it's worth, like, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this once the season is over with. But, like, hell, even if Charlotte ends up in the 16 to 20 range, I actually really like some of the guys um, that are still available at the draft in that range. But we'll talk about – we'll cross that bridge. uh, uh, We'll cross that Miles Bridges uh, when we get to it. Uh, We're not quite there yet. And for crying
4: out loud, put Miles Bridges (laughs) in the dunk contest already.
3: Yeah, well, we had it uh, – was it last? Was it when the All Star tournament was in Charlotte? In yeah. Charlotte, yeah. You, yeah.
2: It's yeah. actually my profile picture. you on uh, <laughs> a locker room. It's it's him yeah. wearing the Larry Johnson gold tooth in oh, the uh, in the dunk contest that he uh, <laughs> really did not show out for, but cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm actually wearing a gold tooth right now and a band-aid underneath my left eye in (laughs) honor of McDaniels and Bridges. So Perfect,
3: perfect, perfect. And uh make
1: sure you
2: got the headband
1: on, you know, for his birthday and everything. Yes, yes. I got it all down pat. Um, But I was just reading Mark Cuban's comments about the play in and I just feel like that's hindsight, right? Like, I feel like a lot of this is hindsight looking back on it. And like, (laughs) like I said, I don't think they were envisioning all these injuries starting to pile up and. Uh, and if you look where the Dallas Mavericks are located in the Western Conference, they're in the seventh seed, so that would place them in the play-in tournament. So it's very convenient for Mark Cuban to come out yeah. and, and make that statement there.
3: R- 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 Richie, Richie, I was half expecting Nate Oates from Alabama to come out and in, uh, in, like accuse Mark Cuban of saying that only because uh, <laughs> he was in the seventh, only because he was in the seventh seed. Sort of a little joke as to what he did with Coach K uh, early in the college basketball season. And i think there's probably something to
1: be said like you guys were mentioning you know elim- getting eliminated from the playoffs is going to happen with this team in the first round but you know may- maybe making the play in tournament as the 7 seed or the 8 seed and getting a couple wins under their belt or just being competitive it might feel better than going in as the 5 or 6 seed and getting swept um again you know being eliminated from the playoffs is the same equation here and that's what's going to end up happening anyway but Getting a couple wins under their belt in that playing tournament, if they start off as like maybe the the ninth or tenth seed or something like that, might be beneficial.
2: Well, if you're the Richie, real quickly, <laughs> there is a if you can get to the five seed somehow, some way, you're not getting swept. Whoever's in that four-five game, I, well, I shouldn't say you're you're absolutely not getting swept, but it's very likely that the four-five matchup in the East is going to be a. Four to two, four to one at the very worst. Probably a seven-game series because it's going to be too immediate. Like the gap between three and four right now remains kind of like the Red Sea in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, if if Charlotte could somehow, some way get to that five seed, they actually do have a chance in that first-round series. And uh, maybe that's not the best thing. Kind of going back to Brian's point earlier, it's like (laughs) you you stumble into a first-round matchup um, that is actually winnable. And you win that matchup, and then you get swept by uh, um, the number one seat, you know, by Brooklyn in the second round. You're like, but we're so close. It was like, no, you're actually really not close.
3: Yeah, I, I, it's just nuts. Like, they were, they seemed really well positioned to get to the, you know, being, to finish up in the four or five spot. But I just, I just don't see any, any, like, I don't see any ladder for them right now. Uh, I know they're going up against a good defense. Like, you know, the Lakers have been without LeBron and AD uh, for a couple of weeks now. And the Lakers are still tops in league in defensive efficiency. Like they haven't budged on that end. And I just thought tonight's game was like, uh, I don't know. I worry that, you know, obviously not having PJ as well, along with the Mm -hmm. Monk and and Hayward and and certainly LaMelo and, and then Rozier just to cherry on top. But like, I don't know. Um, obviously, like you know, when Terry and PJ come back, it can look a little bit better. But this just this was like, ah, man, this looks like a recipe that I'm like really afraid that we're going to see like a little bit too much uh, for Charlotte um, down the stretch. Devonte Graham was just three of thirteen on above the break uh, three pointers in this game. Um, I, I enjoyed. Miles Bridges getting some playmaking possessions. That's been a thing all season, but he's getting more of them this year. And just I don't know that those didn't really quite hit home tonight. A um, couple, little bit of success, including one where he got Dennis Schroeder on a switch. He crossed over and then had a really mm-hmm. nice little like two hand touch pass to Biz for a dunk. But some turnovers on that stuff. He, I guess he had a, a pretty nice like sort of like pull up three over Kuzma late on an after timeout set. But it was a step back too. It was well. Also, Biz just tripped Kuzma on his screen, or his like rolled the rim, or maybe it was Zeller. Whomever it was, they like knocked over Kuzma, <laughs> which is why uh, this is why Miles was so open. So uh, speaking of sinners,
2: up- Brian, sorry, real quick, like uh, yeah. this was the game just to do like a little like short term revisionist history. This is this was the game where I was like, I I I really cannot believe the Hornets didn't do anything to shore up the center position, either through the buyout market. Uh, well, you know, going back further, the trade deadline, which was probably less expected, but buyout market, there were certainly opportunities there. And they did absolutely nothing. And if there's one of Bismack, Biombo, Cody Zeller, or P.J. Washington missing from this rotation, it is absolute – it's just shambles. Like It's terrible. Like And this was good tonight, by the way. Cody was not good, but – like, it's just, they needed so, I, I don't understand, I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get why there was not enough foresight to see one more capable guy in the middle. Whether or not he can shoot threes, does doesn't even really matter? Just one more body to throw into the rotation isn't worth our time. Well, is, is It becomes very confusing to me, and I think tonight was kind of example 1A, really. And, and honestly, too, like I don't.
3: You can. The draft wasn't that long ago, right? Like it. The, the draft was the middle of November. It was November eighteenth, I believe. Charlotte took two centers in the second. Like, oh, like Spencer, we can we can peel it back even a little bit further because I've watched some a fair amount of Memphis recently, and and really, I mean, there's a lot of like great young players on that roster. They're a lot of fun to watch. But, uh, man, Xavier Tillman just keeps giving them good minutes as, like, a a big off the bench. And I was earlier today watching them play, the tape of them playing Minnesota the other week, and him just, like, standing up Carl Anthony Towns in the post. And you're like, the Hornets drafted a center before this guy. They traded a second-round pick, a future second, to get back into the second round to draft another center. I mean, obviously, after Tillman was off the board uh, with Nick Richards. But, like, they they had chances to like use assets that were already like belong to the organization to like address the front court depth. And they drafted a project in Vernon Carey jr. And they drafted a guy that Nick Richard to like, as of this point, is just like, I mean, maybe he'll get eventually become an NBA player, but like, he's got a ways to go. I don't know. I've not been very encouraged with that so far. and just like seeing, Xavier Tillman with Memphis this season for me has personally been like kind of salt in the wounds because just like there was at pick 32 there was a rotation center a starter center that can play some four he was right there and they just completely whiffed and I don't even like like I've to an extent I've like maybe even kind of come around on the carry pick as like a development thing like I, I think some of the stuff he did with the swarm this year was was like semi encouraging but like, man, it, it's just it it was a it was a big miss, and it's like it continues to be like I I'm surprised that they didn't do anything at the deadline to an extent. I'm surprised that the buyout market they didn't do anything. I'm like a little less surprised because they would have had to reconfigure the roster some after the Wanamaker acquisition. But but yeah, even then at the draft, like that was and again that wasn't that long ago. That was you know four months yeah. ago.
2: For the most part, yeah, I think our reaction in the moment was probably the right one. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. When we
1: had that live draft show, we were, you know, narrowing down the names, and, and Xavier Tillman kept coming to the top of our list. And uh, when that didn't happen, uh, we were a little bit disappointed. And, and even if Vernon Carey is a project development type piece, Brian, as you're saying, it still doesn't make sense as to why they went after a second center in the second round. Yeah. I just still yeah. can't wrap my mind around that. Confusing. Um, even if even if they're two completely different centers, it just doesn't make sense. Not not in today's game. And the only reason Biombo was starting was because P.J. had an injury. And the only reason he played in the Atlanta game was because P.J. got injured in the second half. It seems like Biombo was actually kind of kicked to the end of the bench in the past three or four games. But it's weird how he just all of a sudden jumps back into the starting lineup. And to Spencer's point, I, I thought he played well tonight. Uh, on the boards, keeping possessions alive on the offensive rebounding. Um He was actually very good at catching passes tonight. He was, <laughs> he was active as possible as he could be out on the perimeter uh, defending. He even caught this one pass uh, from Devante in transition. I believe it was in the first quarter and just had a couple of nice plays, subtle plays from the dunker spot as well, but that's not something that you're going to see on a nightly basis from, from biz, but it's just a been a strange season with this center rotation, and we've talked about it on multiple episodes uh, of Buzz Beat here. One other player that kind of I want to talk about is Jalen McDaniels. Recently, I know that his impact in this game was probably uh, more so in the first half than it was in the second half. And you know, he's he's gone from shooting corner threes, making well-timed cuts, crashing the offensive glass, playing good defense, and then if he has that, you know, that efficient in-between game. That's just an added bonus. I think one thing that he'll have to improve upon, guys, is is his frame and his build. I, I know that's something that he did improve upon this pass off season, but he often has a hard time making round, um, trying to get his you know back or his body into the opponents off the bounce. But other than that, like we've seen tremendous strides with this guy, and Borrego talked about the fact that you know he just hasn't been playing because of the the wing position and how. How deep it is and the forward position and how deep it is. But now that he's had this opportunity in these last handful of games, uh, he's done very well. He had 16 points tonight on 58% shooting. So thoughts on thoughts on McDaniels so far?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I really think we've seen some serious development for McDaniels um, in these few games he started to get... Serious playing time. I mean, we've seen the corner three uh, proficiency, uh, and that's been something that we've seen in spurts in the past from him. Um, you know, But I think McDaniels, at, at this point in his career, it's pretty obvious, just like off the bounce, he's playing with more confidence. There's a play tonight, and, and I tweeted it out, where uh, it, it was like semi-transition. He had the ball. He realized that he had Drummond matched up on him. He pulled Drummond out to the corner. Um, and, and then just took him to the rack and, and hit a little floater with the right hand, which I thought, like, that's not something Jalen McDaniels would have tried uh, last season um, or really in, in any minutes that I've watched him play in the past um, for Charlotte. So I think that the Hornets have – they've got a shot here to, to have found something with McDaniels, um, even though I I know we've probably said that for a few seasons now. I mean, I really think that – his time in Greensboro, his time in the in, in the um in the G League bubble this year, and, and you know in his spots here with Charlotte so far this season, like he's shooting the ball well, he's showing a little bit of playmaking chops, like like fourth, fifth, you know, sixth option off the bench, playmaking chops, um, off the bounce. Like I, I think I'm seeing some things I have not seen before, so I, I do think that there's a shot that that Charlotte found something with him. The other thing I would mention about McDaniels is that him as the point of the attack defender at the top of the arc, um, more so when Charles was full strength and McDaniel well, full strength uh with, with air quotes there. When Charles was using him in the last like three or four games before tonight and they just employed the full G-League roster, um, he was a really, really good top of the arc. Point of attack defender in this zone scheme Borrego likes to run where he can just swallow up almost anything that tries to come in between the lane lines in terms of penetration. And, and I thought that was, that was something Charlotte just didn't have on the roster at all anywhere else. And, and it's something that stuck out to me really quickly when he started to get that playing time, you know, around a week ago, maybe a little over that. So, but look again, I, I think there's a chance for McDaniels to stick.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I mean, there's Nick. Go ahead and get in here, and then I'll, I was just going to
2: say know,
4: he's got that. I mean, he said it best after his uh, post-game interview. I guess I think it was Milwaukee on Saturday over the weekend um, when he was a Sprite par- player of the game. I mean, he was just asked, you know, what's the mentality? What's your what's going through your mind when you have to step up? And he just says, you know, JB says. Just stay ready, you know, be ready to step up and that's what he does. I mean, the kid is clearly, you know, a work hard, play hard kind of guy, and, and we're we're definitely despite um, you know, our top guys being out, we're seeing that step up mentality of Jalen McDaniels and I'm I'm loving every minute.
3: Yeah, I look, I I've thought they had a player in McDaniels, um, after even after last season. And I was sort of surprised that early on this season. Uh, the Martin Twins were consistently getting. I mean, it the the lack of Monk playing time earlier this year was more concerning for me. But uh, I was sort of like perplexed as to what was going on with McDaniel's as well. Too. I mean, he has such a great frame. Richie said he's probably got to get a little bit stronger. But man, uh, you know, basketball you know body that's really built to play basketball. And I thought he had flashes last season as a team defender. Spencer, great point. His like point of attack defense against multiple positions has been interesting. Um, I've thought early in the season, maybe when Zeller was down, like I thought there's a chance you could see him just mixed in more with some of these small ball lineups, uh, even if he wasn't like the 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 true five, you know, maybe Bridges was guarding the opposing center. But just like those lineups never really happened. Although now, I I think out of necessity, they're starting to take place. Um, I was really impressed that, I think it was Ashley Shammadi mentioned this before the – like right before the game started tonight on the broadcast that she asked Jalen, you know, what was the thing that he thought he needed to sort of like improve at. And he said he had come in and watched – film on his uh his closeouts from the last couple of games he thought think he had done such a great job closing out and I actually thought that was like I agree completely <laughs> like if you if you had if you had talked to me yesterday and been like yeah you McDaniels is playing pretty well what do you think like I would have had given you a variety of positives and sort of thought that was like one of the few things that I, I thought he could actually tighten up a little bit um I love his movement away from the basketball offensively like really kind of has that like Clearly, when he was in Greensboro, he was a more of a you know higher usage guy. But now, what he's doing with Charlotte, just like space to the corner, move out the basketball, set flare screens. Uh, you know when they when action when the action gets sucked into the middle and someone flares out to the to the corner to the weak side, like McDaniel's is a pretty good job sort of like reading that and getting over there to chip some chip a defender with a screen. Uh, it cuts well off the basketball. We've seen that, saw that tonight, We've seen that a few times actually the last couple of weeks. Um, ability to hit the offensive glass like he's just doing a lot of the little things that are sort of perfect for like your like low usage fifth guy wing on the court which is what just like makes him such an easy you know copy and paste guy um, if anything can get taken from this time period where Charlotte's been without so many guys it's like yeah the, you know the not only do they find something with McDaniels, but they've actually like had the chance to like see it in action against real NBA teams where they're actually like playing for something right now. So that's something to consider. It's a tip in the cap for how well they've drafted the last couple of years prior to the second round in twenty twenty when they uh sort of fell apart. But uh yeah, no, McDaniels is part of a strong twenty nineteen draft and it's been encouraging to see him um see him play so well here in the last couple of games.
2: Last thing I wanted to add about McDaniels, I mean, really what I wanted to get to with the, the defensive, how, how impressive he's been on the defensive end, especially at the top of the floor, is just he just really differ, diversifies what Charlotte can do defensively, which I think has been, uh, obviously, and we've discussed ad nauseum, a struggle for them. The one negative uh, with McDaniels, it, he's hard to play with Bridges, uh, more so offensively. It kind of forces Miles play on the wing uh, I think defensively it's fine but uh, offensively it's a tough fit because he's just not ready enough to do to do enough with the ball on the wing uh, you know to allow Miles to to play the four offensively but I, I've just been I, I've been blown away with how much he can really diversify Brago's scheme which again is something that the Hornets would need in the worst way in the league mm-hmm. yeah and I think he is a low-usage type of
1: player, so it's kind of odd to see him playing in these types of lineups where he may be you know, on the ball a little bit more than he would be had he you know, been playing with LaMelo or Rozier or Hayward. So it's going to be interesting to see once when those guys get back, if they do at the end of the season, if Jalen just completely is out of the lineup or if he'll get some playing time with those guys because it would be interesting to see how he kind of plays off of those two, off of those three, excuse me, those playmakers that we've lost Another thing too, like the, the Martin twins. The last thing I want to mention uh, when it comes to players, like those, those two. Is in speaking of strength, they need to get stronger with the ball in their hands. It feels like like three or four times tonight they tried to drive the ball in between two different players, and they just lost it so easily. I know that Caleb made some threes late, you know, in the second half, back to back threes in the third quarter, kept the game close in the fourth quarter. But uh, in terms of offering something. I know that they're
3: not the greatest offensive players, but man, they've got to get stronger with the ball. Yeah. Cody just like, can't, I mean, again, we talked about this uh, last week with Will Richie, like love Cody. The guy makes winning plays. He tries really, really hard, um, but can't make a three. He can't make a corner three and like his creation efforts, unless there, I do sometimes sort of like when Charlotte runs him off the like Chicago action, like the, the pin down into the DHO and, and they they're out of those delay sets and they give him sort of like two reads, you know, right. Like look for the, 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 the cutter coming on the 45 degree cut or like, you know, swing it and let's just like get, keep, keep the offense flowing here. Um But like any other sort of like, you know, more creative freedom open court playmaking with Cody Martin, unless it's like just pure transition, like they're it's, it's, it's leading to trouble right now for Charlotte. That's normally not an issue because, like, normally there'd be like five guys more likely to handle the ball with him uh, over him, and just like all of those guys happen to be out of the rock, like, happen to be out at the same time right now, which continues to get back to the problem Charlotte's had the last couple of weeks without Hayward Monk and um LaMelo, and then certainly Rozier tonight, too. Caleb is,
2: yeah, is much more built for speed, (laughs) Um, yeah. You know, I can get up and down. and kind of fits into what Charlotte wants to do, you know, just in terms of a scheme now. I, I, Cody, I don't know if it's because of how much the scheme has changed or that he's actually just taken a step back as an offensive player, but actually was pretty high on his playmaking ability uh, in the half court a year ago. And it's just been a complete... I mean, he's just been a no show this season. And I understand he hasn't gotten as much of an opportunity as many minutes. There's a reason for that. But when he's been out there, it's just, you know, kind of what Brian, what Brian's getting at. It's just, I mean, he needs one or two reads and that's it. Now, thinking back to last season, you know, Cody Martin was was better. It's just like almost uh, the second option is just like, you know, high pick and roll have the floor spread. He's going downhill against a center that's dropping, Uh which, you know, obviously is an easier read anyways. But with Charlotte running, you know, this half-court action that they have been this year, he, he is not fitting into that as well at all. And I think a lot of that has to do with how poor of a shooter he is. But it's been pretty disappointing because Cody Martin – I really do think we saw some playmaking chops from him um, earlier in his career that was very promising, and it's been pretty disappointing to to kind of see where he is right now.
1: All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and sign off right here. That was our post-game edition on the Locker Room app. We wanted to thank Hornets Beard Guy for joining us in the app, and he had a great question in which we were talking about the play-in tournament. We plan on doing more of these maybe once a week or every other week typically probably going to be a post game type of show, or maybe we'll do like a Q&A type of show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation. I know that the audio quality is is not as great as when we normally record our podcasts is because you are recording over your phone. So if there's some kind of workaround that I can get to, to use this microphone right here, uh, I will try to use it. But that's just the way that the app works. And I do like the interaction and we want to see more interaction with you guys when we do this uh, next time. So for Brian, for Spencer, I am Richie. We will see you guys next time.